Well, good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. As Pastor Chris likes to say, it's July 11th, 2021. It's the only July 11th, 2021 we're going to get. Uh, for those of you I've not met, my name is Kevin Davis, and I'm one of the elders here, and I'm also one of our teachers here on Sunday morning, as well as in our men's Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, one thing we say here every Sunday at Firewheel, and we do mean it, is that you are loved. And we mean that here, and that's a part of our church and part of our very, very fabric. So today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be bringing a message to you, and we're going to get some great music from the band as well, in the hope that we bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, sound good? All right. All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here together together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you, Father, most of all for the cross, for the blood of Jesus, for his broken body. We worship you, Lord, for you are worthy. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, amen. Thank you, Kevin. Everybody, please rise and join us this morning in song and praise. Worship his home. 
rise Catch the demons by surprise We're a holy nation sanctified So let this be our battle cry Ready yourselves Ready yourselves Let us shine the light of Jesus in the darkest see everybody this morning and now at this point in the service is when we have an opportunity to give and to give to him who gave so much for us so let's call the ushers forward and let's pray for the offering Heavenly Father we do worship you again Lord for you are worthy Lord of all praise glory and honor I pray father that the giving right now that it would be pleasing to you Lord that your name would be exalted through it we thank you so much, Lord, for the cross. We thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.
We are all about sound Bible teaching, intentional discipleship, and loving community, even in our children's ministry. And we need your help teaching, guiding, and loving on our kids on Sunday mornings. If you want to be a part of sharing the love of Jesus with the next generation, contact Barbara at firewheelfellowship.com or talk to Cassie Glover in the Children's Building and they will get you plugged in. Have you been to one of our newcomers luncheons yet? If not, we would love to see you there August 22nd, immediately following the service. Whether you've been here a week or a year, this is the perfect time to find out more about who we are at Firewheel and how to get connected. This fall, beginning September 1st, we will have our Foundations class on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. This class is an in-depth, book-by-book study of the Bible, developed to give you the tools to strengthen your own study of the Scriptures and the ability to better share God's Word with others. For more information on anything going on around Firewheel, go online to firewheelfellowship.com, or you can always check us out on social media. Well, good morning, Firewheelers. How about our band this morning, huh? We are, we are so blessed to have the people here playing the music and the quality of the musicians that we have. Now, for those of you expecting to see Pastor Chris this morning, as you've probably figured it out, I'm not him, okay? So uh, Pastor Chris and Madeline and all five boys have headed to California. Now, anybody who knows Pastor Chris and you know it's the summer and you know he's in California, what's he doing? Absolutely. He's already been posting pictures. He's breaking in the kids now, getting them into the, 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 the surfing addiction as well. So uh, he, is, he is in his element right now and having a good time. Um, now, I did um, introduce myself to th those of you who are here at the very beginning, but those of you who are not, my name's Kevin Davis. And I'm one of the elders here at Firewheel, and uh, Pastor Chris had approached me a few weeks ago and asked me to get up and deliver a message to the congregation, and I told him that I would pray about it and that I really appreciated the opportunity to do that. My wife, Jeanette, and I have been here for over 16 years, and during that time, there's been a lot of things that we've seen at Firewheel, but this is home to us, okay? So we love being here at Firewheel. We love serving here, and I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to get up here and deliver a message to the congregation. So before we get into the reading of the scripture this morning, I wanted us to think about something. So we say that God loves all. We get that from scripture. Maybe we have some verses memorized. Now we say that as believers, we love everyone. But here's something to think about this morning. Do we treat all people as we want to be treated? Can we honestly say that we do not look down on others with contempt or disdain, regardless of their race, their gender, their personal beliefs, or their standing in society? How do we treat others? If we're honest, oftentimes we have a tendency to elevate ourselves above others. The topic of our sermon today is the temptation of self-elevation. In this day and age we live today, it's very tempting to elevate ourselves, and we have a number of avenues because of social networking in which we're able to do that. But the problem is, as a believer, is that when I read Scripture, Jesus does not only teach me that elevating myself above others is wrong, he also shows me that as a believer, I should be doing the exact opposite of elevating myself above others. So this morning, we're going to be looking at one of the parables that Jesus told during his earthly ministry from the book of Luke. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. Everybody say word. word. All right. So we'll be in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And um, I'll be reading it for you this morning. It says, Now he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and began praying this in regard to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes 
of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to raise his eyes toward heaven, but was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to share your word with others. We thank you most of all, Father, for the cross, for the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus, through his broken body. I pray that the message that's delivered here this morning is pleasing to you and would glorify your name. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so as we read the text this morning, one of the first things we should observe is what Jesus says about his audience. That is, to the people he is actually speaking to. He says they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now, the NIV says they were confident of their own righteousness. Now, notice that there's no mention of God in their evaluation of themselves. They could do it on their own, or so they thought. Their hope was strictly in themselves. Self-righteousness is a characteristic that is so displeasing to a holy God. Now, we read the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans 10, 3. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And this brings us to our first point this morning. Self-righteous people like to elevate themselves above others. Self-righteous people like to elevate themselves above others. Now, notice the other way in which Jesus describes his audience at the end of verse 9. He says, they treated others with contempt. They looked down upon others. Now, why would they do this? Well, part of the reason, of course, is because of their own self-righteousness. Now, imagine how we impact other people when we treat them with contempt, when we look down on them. Now, I'm sure at one time or another in our own lives, we have had someone treat us with contempt. How did that impact us? It can be hurtful and divisive, and it can also drive people away from the church itself when we treat others in a way that makes us look and feel better. Again, this is something that is so displeasing to our Lord and Savior. Now, uh, the prophet Isaiah speaks of such a person. In Isaiah 65, 5, who say, keep to yourself do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. I hope those are words that we will never utter to another human being. Do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. Okay, so we get an idea of what kind of audience we have here. Uh, next, Jesus begins to tell the parable itself and reveals to us that there are two men in this parable. We have a Pharisee, and a tax collector. Now, he tells us that these two men went where? Where do they go? Anybody? Went to the temple. Okay, they went to the temple, and for what purpose? To pray. Okay, so they went to the temple to pray. Now, at this time, the temple was the customary place of prayer. Now, so the first man that Jesus describes is a Pharisee. Now, if you've read the New Testament, if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you no doubt have heard of a Pharisee. But what exactly was a Pharisee? Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on what a Pharisee was. Um, first off, the name Pharisee, it literally means separated one, okay, separated one. And that's going to really fit very well into this parable today. Now, the following is an excerpt from Who's Who in the Bible, and it says that at the time of Jesus, the Pharisees were the most powerful religious group among the Jews and his constant opponents. Jesus continually denounced 
their external observance of the law, their multitude of party traditions, and particularly their self-righteousness. Now, um, as we think about this and we see the actions that take place in the scripture we're going to get into, we're going to see this description from who's who in the Bible is very accurate. Now, we see one example of this as well in Luke chapter 7. Uh, this is in verses 36 through 39. Now, this is from um, a, another Pharisee whose interaction with Jesus Luke notated for us. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him, him being Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now let's listen to how the Pharisee responds to this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Think Jesus knew she was a sinner? Well, obviously Jesus knew who this woman was. He knew that she was a sinner. Jesus was indeed a prophet, but he also was a great deal more. Now, as a general rule, the Pharisees initially did not care for Jesus and what he was doing. Soon, however, their looking down on Jesus would eventually turn into outright hatred of Jesus and his followers. Okay, so there's a little bit of background about the Pharisees. So let's see what Jesus actually says about this Pharisee. Now, Jesus says in the parable that the Pharisee stands up and prays. Now, some of the commentators um, gave different examples of this. First off, we know the Pharisee most likely was praying very loud. He wanted people to be able to hear him. But they said oftentimes what they would do in the temple, because there's a lot of traffic in the temple, a lot of people are coming, is they would spread their, their arms out like this looking up and bringing attention to themselves. It was obvious that the Pharisee wanted to be seen and heard. Now, let's look at what the, the Pharisee actually prays. First off, the Pharisee thanks God, which is great, right? In our prayer life, we need to be thanking God. We have a multitude of things to be grateful for. So he's thanking God, but look at what he thanks God for in verse 11. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then, just so everyone who is listening knows what type of people he's talking about, the Pharisee takes the time to list people by their sin. Now, isn't that an interesting way to categorize people, to list them by their sin? He goes out and he, he lists them by their sin, extortioners or swindlers, the unjust or the crooked, adulterers, or listen to this, even like this tax collector, God, this guy over here, God, I'm so glad I'm not like him. Well, guess what? This Pharisee and this tax collector both have something very important in common. Both men are in need of a Savior. We will look more closely at that in a moment. But our next point, self-righteous people like to point out the faults of others. Self-righteous people like to point out the faults of others. Now, if I'm honest, it's very easy to look at other people. The words they say, the mistakes they have made, their sinful actions, and to say, look at that person. Can you believe them? The way they live their lives. I am so appalled. I am so offended that that person would call themselves a Christian and live the way they do. One of the most dangerous things a Christian man can say is when he sees a, one of his brothers in Christ in sin and he puffs out his chest and says, well, I'll tell you one thing, that'll never happen to me, okay? It's a very dangerous thing for us to do. Now, so we look at other people, list these people by their sins. It's easy to do that. But what about this? 
what about the mistakes I have made? What about the words that I have used? What about my own sinful actions? I don't know about you, but when someone else points those out to me in my own life, chances are I'm not going to be too pleased about it. But the Pharisee isn't done. There's more. He goes on and he reminds everyone of his mighty works. Now, when I say his mighty works, I don't mean God's mighty works. That's not what the Pharisee's there for. He wants to talk about his own mighty works. And keep in mind, he's doing this to where everybody can see and hear him. So he goes on, he gets into detail, and he says what? He says, look, I fast twice a week. I, I pay tithes of all I get. God, look at me. I'm pretty awesome. Look at all the things that I do. But here's an observation for us to make note of. Now, notice how often the Pharisee uses the pronoun I in verses 11 and 12. I thank you that I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. What is the Pharisee doing here? He's advertising his spiritual resume. Okay? He is letting God know, just in case God missed it, of all the great things the Pharisee has done. You see, the Pharisee trusts in self-righteousness through his own religious works. Now, we do need to make a note here that the Pharisee does have a belief system, but his belief system is based on his own merit. Which brings us to point number three. Self-righteous people want everyone to know how awesome they are. Self-righteous people want to know how awesome they are. Hey, everybody, look at all the great things I've done. It's almost as if the Pharisee wants God to know that God is so lucky to have the Pharisee on his side. Now, let's also take note of who the Pharisee is praying to in verse 11. The text says that he prayed to himself or about himself. We see the multiple times he uses the pronoun I. The focus of the Pharisee's prayer is who? It's himself. The focus of the Pharisee's prayer is obviously himself. It's not to praise God. It's not to pray on behalf of others. It's not to give God legitimate thanks. The Pharisee has gone to the temple to pray about himself so that others may see and hear. This is not a good example of how we should pray. You see, self-righteousness is dangerous. It can lead us to place our hope in ourselves as opposed to placing our hope in the Lord God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, before we look at what Jesus says about the tax collector, let's get a little background on the place of tax collectors in Jewish society at that time. Now, they were also called publicans. Uh, those were people who were employed in collecting the state or public revenue. Now, the following is also from who's who in the Bible and gives us a little background here on publicans. The publicans were highly unpopular members of society, particularly as they could call upon the support of the Roman colonial governor and his military forces. Those Jews who were willing to earn a living by extorting high rates from their fellow compatriots in order to pay their Roman masters were doubly despised and disliked. Publicans were regarded as sinners and outside the law. Now, it's important to note here that we have two extremes in culture at that time. We have one man, the Pharisee, who was revered by his fellow Jews wherever he goes. And you can imagine what it's like whenever people see him. They move out of his way, and they let him cross through. They let him have the best seats wherever he goes. He is revered by his fellow Jews. But then over here, we have another person, okay? And we have this tax collector. And this tax collector is viewed by society as what? As someone who is ostracized, someone who is despised. He is seen by society as being the lowest. So we have the lowest and we have the highest here. Now, there are other tax collectors, of course, that we read about in Scripture. I'll briefly mention them. Uh, Matthew, one of the, also called Levi, one of the 12 apostles, was also a tax collector at one time. Uh, Luke writes about him in chapter 5. There's another man named Zacchaeus 
in Luke chapter 19, who was also a tax collector, who understood his need for forgiveness in his own encounter with Jesus. Now, to Jesus' audience who was listening to this parable, it would have been obvious to them that the man who was in good standing with God would have been who? It would have been the Pharisee. All right, it would have been the man who was so revered by society. To them, it would have been the Pharisee. But Jesus is going to challenge the traditional way of thinking. So let's see what Jesus says about the tax collector. The first thing we observe is that the tax collector stands far off. He stands at a distance. Now, why does he stand so far off? It is almost as if he does not want to contaminate others with his very presence. He is not even willing to raise his eyes or look up to heaven. He's beating his chest, and he utters these simple but profound words, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. In this parable by Jesus, that is all that is recorded that the tax collector says. He doesn't ramble on about how great he is. He doesn't provide his own spiritual resume. His prayer is short, simple, and true. There is a sense of the tax collector being aware of his own unworthiness, which is lacking in the prayer of the Pharisee. When we pray to God, God wants us to be honest with him. We don't have to put on a fancy show. We don't have to get out our prayer face, whatever that is. Um, I mean, after all, God created us. There is nothing God doesn't know. Listen to this, and this is something I need to remind myself of from time to time. God cannot be fooled, okay? He can't be tricked. God cannot be deceived. Now, the tax collector, he understands that, but the Pharisee does not. Now, I need to ask myself if I understand that as well. Does my prayer life indicate that I am honest with the Lord? Or do I put on a show so that others will be impressed? This brings us to our next point. The spiritually honest person acknowledges their own sin and recognizes that they need to be forgiven. The spiritually honest person acknowledges their own sin and recognizes that they need to be forgiven. It is important to remember that acknowledging our own sin is crucial, but that in and of itself is not enough. We must also recognize that because of our sins, we need to be forgiven by a merciful and holy God. You see, the tax collector was unworthy of God's mercy, but he knew it. The Pharisee, on the other hand, was also unworthy of God's mercy, but he failed to acknowledge it. That is the difference. We need to ask ourselves this morning, do we acknowledge that we ourselves are sinners? Do we admit that we need forgiveness for our sins? That is the point Jesus wants us to take home from this parable this morning. Okay, so now Jesus, as he often does, is going to blow the minds of his audience by his next statement in verse 14 when he says that this man, tax collector, went home justified rather than the other man, the Pharisee. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted now, this is not the statement the audience wants to hear. It's not the statement that they're expecting. They cannot possibly fathom that this lowly, despised, outcast tax collector is the one who God justifies. It doesn't make logical sense to them. The spiritual resume of the tax collector was nothing compared to that of the revered Pharisee. What did this tax collector possibly have to offer, at least in, in their minds. Now, briefly, I want to discuss the word justified here. Um, it simply means to be declared righteous before God. Now, the tax collector was declared righteous before God. The Pharisee, the religious leader who fasted twice a week, 
who tithed consistently, who was so revered by his fellow Jews, was not declared righteous. How can this be? What does this say about God? It says that he truly is a God of mercy. The following quote up here I was found when I was doing my study, and I love the way this is worded. It says that mercy is something God extends in kindness and grace to those who do not deserve it. The Pharisee and the tax collector, neither one deserved God's mercy. Now, there are an abundant number of scriptures about God's mercy. A couple of them I wanted to share with you this morning. Psalm 119, 156 says, Great are your mercies, O Lord. We're going to go back to the prophet Isaiah again. In Isaiah 63, 9, I love this verse. He says that God, in his love and what? In his love and mercy, he redeemed them, and he lifted them, and he carried them all the days of old. The Apostle Paul also describes God as being rich in mercy in Ephesians 2, 4. Let us remember that we do indeed serve a merciful God. Without the mercy of God, we cannot be declared righteous. It's simply not possible. God is holy. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we are not able to achieve justification by ourselves. And that's a hard concept for us, for me sometimes, to wrap my mind around because I want to earn stuff. I, I want to have the right to it. I want to be able to call something my own. But justification cannot be earned. It is a gift from God. Now, through justification, God can save our very souls. And this brings us to our final point this morning. Justification can only occur when we humble ourselves. Justification can only occur when we humble ourselves. Now, the hope of the tax collector was in God and God alone, whereas the hope of the Pharisee was in who? It was definitely in himself. Now, the words and actions of the tax collector are those of humility. The words and actions of the Pharisee are anything but humble. Our final scripture this morning comes from James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, as we typically do this time of morning, I have a few spiritual recommendations for you, but before I do that, I wanted to say something. I don't know everyone in here, and I, I don't know your story or your background. However, I imagine that at some point in your life, maybe you've been told some things about God that may not be correct. Maybe you see God as a vengeful God. Maybe you see him as one who was mad at you or disappointed in you. Please understand that God does love you. He does love me. He doesn't hate us. He does hate the sin in my life, but he wants to have a relationship with me. Now, maybe there's something that we've done or said in our past that is keeping us from engaging in a relationship with the creator of the universe. Please hear me when I say the following. We do serve a God of mercy. Now, on to our spiritual recommendations. Now, I know typically uh, Pastor Chris, when he does spiritual recommendations, he does three. I did four, so please have mercy on me. Okay. <laughs> Number one, and these are much easier to say than they are to do. Number one is come in humility, and that is difficult, okay? To come to the Lord in humility and also to come to others in humility as well. Also to forego pride. If I'm going to come in humility, I need to forego my pride. I need to put my pride to the side. Number three, for the purpose of seeking mercy. I can't earn it. Okay, but if I come in humility and I forego pride, I seek mercy, then it's a gift from God. And the result of all of that is, number four, to be justified. Come in humility, foregoing pride, seeking mercy, and being justified. 
Now, typically at this time of the morning, uh, we would do the benediction, um, but I believe that thanks to modern technology, um, that Pastor Chris himself is going to be giving the benediction to us here. And um, I do want to say that I know my sermon was a little bit shorter than Pastor Chris's, so. Hey there, Firewheel. Hi, we guys. We have just done it. 1,400 miles, multiple days traveling, <laughs> countless stops, and we still have a little bit of sanity left as we pulled into beautiful, sunny San Diego. And we want to thank you uh, for the opportunity to get away for some much-needed rest and, and time with the family. Kevin Davis, I really appreciate you preaching this morning. I know it was sound and on point, mm -hmm. but it's time to go into the world in peace. Have, have courage. Hold on to what is good. good. Honor all men. men. Strengthen, Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support, support the weak. Help, help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord, the Lord in the power of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And may the, and grace, the grace of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, Firewall family, you are loved. Now go carry that love outside those doors to the rest of the world and let them know that they are loved too. We'll see you next time. Bye.